Time for Fan Mail Friday. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason and with Kim Seltzer. Hello. We'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this isn't the best place to start. Most of our content is more in-depth and longer format, so check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of body language, nonverbal communication, negotiation, networking, attraction, dating, all that stuff that we teach here at The Art of Charm. And we'll send all of that to your inbox if you text charmed. That's C-H-A-R-M-E-D to 33444. All right, here we go. Hello, AOC. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months, and I really like what I'm hearing. I've looked for advice on this topic, but have been disappointed, so I want to hear your thoughts. Basically, I have a friend from college who is constantly talking about men. It varies from not being over her ex to the barista at the coffee shop initiated prolonged eye contact. I think he likes me. Primarily the latter. I try to be a supportive friend, but she is too shy to take my advice to ask any of them on a date or to try a real online dating site as opposed to dumb excuses like Tinder. I wish she could see how awesome of a person she is, even when she is not getting the male attention that she's looking for. I want to help, but she drives me nuts. I can steer conversations away from the topic, but living in different parts of the country means we mainly text, and I can tell she isn't interested in catching me up on other topics. Is there a polite way to snap her out of it? She is sensitive and easily offended, whereas I am brash and forthright. Does that mean I have to wait for her to grow up on her own? Thank you for your time and cheers, Aaron. Yikes. Kim, I needed yeah. help with this one because for <laughs> me, I just – I don't have friends like that. If I had a guy friend that was telling me only about his dating life, I would get bored so fast and I would just keep changing the subject until they either took the hint or I would probably just stop answering their calls. But that's that's in large part how guys kind of operate. I might say something about it now that I'm a little bit more self-aware. But if I had a female friend doing that, and I've had female friends who love to just bounce every dating thing off me, and it's only fun to a certain degree because then otherwise your friendship becomes entirely one-dimensional. But I don't really know how to fix it, especially in a way where one party is sensitive. Right. It's so funny because actually what you just said was – kind of what I was thinking. And that is, well, my first answer is the friend needs to hire me. <laughs> so that's the yeah. first thing. The second Barring thing, that. and then that would get her off her back. But really, it's more about this this person, Erin. And I would invite her to look at the definition of what a friend is. Like, what is she benefiting from being in a friendship with her? And also to take a look at the pattern of friendships she has in the past, like are all her friendships seemingly where she becomes the therapist or the coach or the helper. And it's like lopsided where she's not getting reciprocity from that friend. And she's kind of banging her head against the wall and she builds resentment for people who are always constantly wanting advice from her. So this is more about Aaron than it is really about the friend. Um, and then the third thing that, or fourth thing that would come to my mind is that, you know, helping her be more assertive with this friend, like you said, Jordan, you just wouldn't be friends with this person. Well, how can she be assertive with this person, set boundaries, kind of say how she feels and then stop like the contact if it continues over and over again. So what do we do? I mean, does she just, Aaron, just come out and say, look, I appreciate you catching me up on your dating life, but it's starting to feel like that's all we talk about. 
Yeah, I teach people a lot how to use the I message and kind of own what they're feeling with people in order to set boundaries. So say, you know, I feel really frustrated when you call me all the time. Um, I would love it in the future if you would stop calling me when you're not like, you know, listening to my advice or giving her some sort of direction. So it's kind of like a three prong process. You state how you feel, you tell the behavior that you want to stop, and then you tell them how to teach you in the future. But then it's up to Aaron to really hold to herself it, to it. Right. Yeah. Because he, here's this, this reminds me of something that, that happened w- in college. I had a buddy. I still I'm still friends with him. He's a great person. And now he's married. Thank God. Because what he would do is every every week there was some other girl. Right. Or every two weeks. And it was, oh, she's so good looking and she's so cute. And I'm like, didn't you just meet her and then like become infatuated over a period of, I don't know, five days or something? And then he'd go, yeah, she's having a party tonight. We should we should all go there. And I'm like, did she invite you and us or do you just you heard that she's ha-? like I had to start clarifying these questions. And eventually it would come out like, well, no, you know, I heard from a friend of a friend of a friend that that she was. So like we should all show up. And I'm like, no, we shouldn't show up and you should definitely not go either. And then he's like, oh, okay. And then he would come back the next day and, you know, or we would go out and he would bounce and like go there and not follow our advice. And he'd come back and and then he'd be like, oh, it was so awkward. He would just stand there, you know, not be, he'd be a little bit too forward. And I knew he was being creepy, right? She was probably like, crap, this guy showed up at my party. I didn't even invite him. I specifically didn't invite him. How did he even find out? You know, it was that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so he would then be like, oh, I ruined it. She's so annoyed with me about this. Or he would end up doing something to really turn the girl off. And, And then it would be like, I need more advice. So I had to make a rule that he wasn't allowed to ask for advice unless he was going to follow it. And if he didn't follow the first bit of advice with with that person, I wouldn't give him advice anymore about that person. And all of our roommates, the whole group of us, we we made that pact. And so we stopped giving him advice. And it worked okay. He still made so many mistakes because he never followed anybody's advice. But at least then we didn't have to hear about it because he was the it, it was like the guy who goes – Oh man, I'm totally gonna buy this thing. That's and we're like, nah, don't buy it. It's gonna break. And then he goes and buys it, and it breaks. And it's like, what should I do? This thing's broken. And we're like, take it back to the store. And instead of doing that, he would, you know, I'm gonna sell it to somebody on eBay. And it's like, oh, you're so. It's just gets so aggravating that I realized, wait a minute, why am why is my sanity getting affected by this other person's choices? I keep walking into this trap. So I just mm-hmm. said, I'm not doing it anymore. I will happily give you friendly advice about stuff. But once, and if you if you don't follow it, I'm done. I, my liability is completely annulled. That's such a good example. I mean, in both cases, what you just presented, and then with Aaron and her friend, it's that it's the constant victim role that these people like to be in. And unfortunately, there's things in the past that have put them in that role. They got reinforced for it. And it's the only way they know how to either get attention or have friendships and they don't know any other way. So teaching them like what you're going to do for them. And like you said, it takes your liability out of it is the best thing you can do. So maybe like, and you don't have to necessarily get rid of friends, but you can almost like renegotiate what that friendship is. So if, 
Erin really likes this friend because she's fun to just talk about arts and crafts, let's say. Um, then just leave it at that. And then don't talk about the guy thing because obviously yeah. that's not serving either one of them. Right. So so figure out what's driving you crazy. Set the boundary. Stick to the boundary. Because if you don't stick to the boundary, then it's your fault again for being like, I'm banging my head against the wall here. So, all right, yeah. let's move on. Hi, Jordan. I'm an avid listener to your podcast, and I love it. Thanks for all the great info. I just listened to the episode with Kim about narcissistic behaviors, and I happened to just break up with an extremely narcissistic guy with a really ugly past. He's very manipulative and lies, cheats, and scams people on a regular basis. He's been in a lot of legal trouble as well. I'm completely devastated, and I'm having a hard time staying away from him, although he keeps trying to get back together. I'm usually pretty strong and resilient, but I'm really struggling with this one. Any insight as to why this is so hard, knowing that he's narcissistic and would be a very bad pick for marriage? Thanks so much. Kim, I'm just going to immediately hot potato this one to you because this is you <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> right. I am happy to to get right into this. Yeah. The first thing, like this is the drug that keeps her going, you know, Again, kind of like what we just said about Eric, what is it about this guy that she keeps going back to? What is the draw? There's something she's gaining from it, um, whether it is um, something that she's trying to work out in the past. Like, I don't know, too. Is this the only guy that has been narcissistic or is there a pattern of narcissistic men that's familiar to her? Um, often when we grow up in a family system where there had been a narcissistic parent or perhaps that like, you know, you're trying to almost like work through some of that stuff and we find ourselves in situations where we're trying to work through it. It's maddening because it's like hitting your head against the wall, but it's familiar. And so for her, this guy has her hooked, just hooked and this drug. And the only way to get rid of like any kind of addiction, because it's truly almost like this addictive kind of feel to it, is to go cold turkey. And like she needs to like get rid of all his info. She has to solicit her support system to help her with this. There's something really strong within her and him that's keeping her in it. And then, you know, I was just wondering if she's getting any deeper work around this and, and help. So that that's, it's very clear. So how do we, but how do we quit cold Turkey when we want to keep going back? Is this like block his phone number so you don't even see him calling he can't text you you've blocked him on facebook i mean is it is it making it so no one can even friggin find you anymore basically yeah i mean it's like getting rid of temptation right cuz it's she's saying it's too tempting it's too hard every time you know he pops up on facebook or pops up in a text or pops over at her house like she has got to do things to really um reduce that for herself because you know in a breakup and part of healing is that you really have to spend time away from that person cuz every time you see him her it kicks up the feelings and you start the healing process all over again. It's hard to shake. So she really has to, like, I always tell people to get a crisis plan in place for that. She should write down a list of 
all like friendships and people that she can go out and seek help from, text, have people come over. She also should write a list of things that can distract her from going back to him. So activities she can get involved in. And, you know, I wonder what her life is outside this guy too. Like it sounds like it got pretty codependent and things like are just really enmeshed with this guy. What can she do to start rebuilding her life separate from this guy? It seems tough because if you're hooked on him, it's probably because of bad programming, right? Like your dad is a lot like this guy or whatever. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like she should definitely get like, you know, a good therapist, call me or, you know, seek some sort of support around this because there's a lot more to it. Yeah, it's not something that's just make sure he can't message you on Facebook and problem solved. This is it's like those programs you get when you download bad stuff. Right. And Mm -hmm. you're like, why does this pop up keep showing up? Oh, it's so annoying. That's what's this. This is the guy for you. Right. There's something running in your background that you're you know, uncle or dad or mom put in there that's making you like guys like this. And it's so you can block this guy and then just go out and find another one immediately because you've got bad radar if you don't fix it. Exactly. And that's why I was asking, I wonder like if she has a pattern of this or was this the only narcissistic guy? My guess is this is, wasn't the only one. Yeah. Or, or it's the first one in a pattern if she doesn't break it. Exactly. All right. Next. Hi, AOC team. I've been a fan of the AOC podcast since October and really happy to hear from more women coaches on dating. Recently, I moved to D.C. and absolutely love it. Everything is fit into place here with work and a great group of friends, and I've been really happy with my life. As one would do moving to a new city, I started dating and had a lot of fun but wasn't looking for a serious relationship. Of course, as the typical story goes, I met someone who I did see myself getting into a relationship with. We started seeing each other three to four times a week, staying over. He met my friends. I met his friends. Things were awesome. I thought, finally, I found someone I want to be in a relationship with. I didn't think we needed to define the relationship because things were naturally progressing. Until a week ago, I barely heard anything from him, and he got busy. I haven't been in a relationship for a long time, and my last one was a doozy, so I'm anxious about putting myself out there. So when I felt like he was withdrawing, I felt like I needed to know if he felt the same way about me and he wanted the same things I wanted, a.k.a. being in a committed relationship eventually. We had that conversation, and then he told me he doesn't know what he wants, then we agreed that he would take some time to think about it and get back to me. I told him I couldn't continue doing what we were doing if he didn't think he could be in a relationship with me in the future. I set boundaries, and I thought it was a good, productive conversation. I thought to myself, why wouldn't he want to? We've been having such a good time. Fast forward to a couple of days later, he just texts me saying he can't continue on and doesn't see being in a relationship anytime soon. I was devastated. Even after our good productive conversation of him apologizing for withdrawing and giving me a good excuse, maybe I completely overreacted and scared him. Is that a thing? Is there something I'm missing or is it just a flat out he doesn't like me that much to commit but still have his cake and eat it too kind of thing? After listening to Kim Seltzer about boundaries, I thought maybe you guys, as guys, would be able to shed some light on dating purgatory. I naturally have a million questions about when you should define the relationship and if women are supposed to set these boundaries from the get-go. I am so good at the first few dates, but after it, I'm just crap at being in dating purgatory when I like someone. Are we supposed to constantly put ourselves out there, and no matter how many times we get rejected, we should still do it? Sincerely, ranting self-reflective chick who probably needs to calm the F down. 
I love that she refers to herself as ranting, self-reflective chick who probably needs to calm the F down. Because I'm looking at this message, which which we trimmed a lot of details from it. The details were unimportant. They were just a lot of excuses for his behavior. Like, well, you know, he his phone broke, so maybe there's that. And then he often just texts me from his computer, which makes me think that she just doesn't have his phone number and only – hits him up on like you know iMessage or something weird like that that he I don't know this is very shady I'm wondering how experienced or inexperienced she is because this sounds like the guy was in it for a booty call and probably lied to her a bunch or misled her and then when she was like I really like you he had a guilty conscience and was like I gotta back off this one and then just couldn't keep misleading her or leading her on and then told her and she's really hurt I don't know Kim what's your assessment of this yeah. Oh my God. I would love to talk to her. I have so many questions, but like you, the first thing that came to me, I was having anxiety as I was listening to her talk. And so I can only imagine what maybe the guy is feeling too, if she is like this in the relationship. So it's like, I don't know. I think that, um, first of all, we don't know how long these people were dating. She said she started seeing him three to four times a week, but over what period of time. She also recognizes that she's not very good at like keeping things going without getting too anxious. So this is where I talked to a lot of people about dating phases. You know, a lot of times people like refer to phases in relationships, but believe it or not, they're there are phases in dating. Like the first phase is that courting phase. It's more the light, fun, getting to know each other, keeping it, you know, more on the lighter side to see if it bleeds into the next phase, which I call just pure dating. Maybe it's somebody you're dating two or three months. You're getting to know each other in a deeper manner and seeing if it can go to the third phase, which is I call a committed relationship. I have a feeling she's good at the courting phase and then she's kind of falling short when it comes to more of the deeper relationship and the guy might end up running. This could be a pattern for her. It just seems like that as she was, you know, writing, but we don't know. So I would like, I'd ask her about that and what her definition of a relationship is and what it is that she wants. And does she have a pattern of attracting these guys who won't commit? So, um, you know, and you're, I mean, Jordan, I don't know, from a guy's standpoint, like when a woman comes on too much, too soon, too fast and too strong, like in, a, in those early phases, it can scare a guy, especially if he's not even sure, you know, he's still figuring it out. Well, yeah, for me, I'm hoping that she's not coming in and saying, what is this? Are we, you know, what's my, are we going to see each other? Is this a relationship? Da, da, da. Because it sounds right. like she didn't do that, but I'm also not sure given this email, maybe she's one of those people who's actually asking him, what happened? Why don't you want anything with me? What happened? Exactly. I don't understand. Well, I thought we were together. We we're seeing each other a bunch. Why don't you want to? We were having such a good time. And and I can understand her confusion, but when I get that stream of thought in my email inbox, I'm like, oh, God, you're needy as hell and kind of, you know, there's some issues here that I don't want to date. Mm-hmm. And I don't say, I don't think you should necessarily hide it. I think you should fix the problem, but there's a reason that this person is, she might be needy. I don't, needy. She might be needy. I don't know. Um, Maybe this email is just her internal dialogue and she's being super forthright with us, which is great. But if this is how, if this bleeds through Mm -hmm. into her relationship, which it almost always does, your internal dialogue doesn't stay internal for long. This is going to be part of the the problem. So it sounds almost like a self-confidence issue to me. 
Well, right. And again, like kind of keeping her eye on the ball and what it is she wants and pacing it out. I always tell people it's not necessarily changing who you are and what you want, but can you pace it out in a way that's healthy, that's not creating codependency, that's not scaring people. And so, you know, helping her with that. And like, yeah, like you said, we, we, we don't know a lot and talking to her about that would be really helpful in this situation. Yeah. For me, I just, I just worry that this is how she manifests, this behavior manifests itself in her relationship, at which point the answer for me is you really need to start dating some other guys and seeing what you actually want. Because a lot of times, once you start seeing somebody three to four times a week, you start thinking, this person is amazing. And they're thinking maybe, wow, this girl's she likes to sleep, she likes to bang a lot or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And so she's getting attached because... This is her only the only game in town for her. And he's going, man, this girl comes over like four times a week. And then on weekends, I can hang out with my friends. Yeah, or, exactly. or go date girls that I actually like. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. We don't know all the deets, but really, honestly, what we need to do is have her look into that. And why is it the case? Is this, again, a pattern? Are you seeing guys four times a week for three weeks and then they burn out because they're like, wow, I need to back off this. This is insane. Mm hmm. And then you get needy and scare them away and go, yep, made the right decision there. She's crazy. And then, you you know, rinse and repeat. Yep, exactly. Let's move on. First of all, I can credit the art of charm for improving my life in real and measurable ways. I haven't come across any advice for this type of situation. That's why I'm hoping you can provide some guidance. I'm a single lady in my mid-30s, and I'm looking for my life partner. I found relationships difficult in the past as I'm a unique kind of lady. I know what I want. I'm smart. Confident, self-aware, willing to put in the effort to maintain a relationship, and I'm a tough cookie. I am growing and challenge those around me to grow too. In short, I scare the hell out of men in my age group, especially those who don't know what they want. I've always been attracted to older men and have normally dated between 5 to 12 years older than me. Dang. I haven't had a lot of success since it seems that a lot of 40-year-old men don't know what they want or they don't want a family. Through pure luck, I found an evolved, charming, self-aware, sexy, intelligent man who seems to want the same kind of relationship that I want. He's not playing games, making it clear how he feels about me, is respectful of my me time, and we connect on deep and powerful life philosophies. Exactly the type of person I'm looking for. The only thing is, he's 51. I feel like I'm reaching a time in my life where I'm ready for my life partner. I want to start a family and move on to the next level. But what are the chances of having a successful relationship with someone who is much older? I've not encountered any real differences in our maturity, but if someone hasn't gotten married or had a family by that age, is it prudent to assume that they don't really want that? I'm just worried I'm falling in love with someone who will not intentionally waste my time and perhaps have to make a difficult decision later on. Any advice you can give would be helpful. Sincerely, Anonymous. Yeah, I don't blame you for being anonymous on this one. I mean, this isn't super severe, but... You never know. A lot of guys listen to this show, and if you listen to it together, which a lot of people do, you don't want you don't want him to be listening one day and wake up with a surprise. But I'll tell you, this one, your concern is very valid here. Her concern, I should say, is very valid here. If he's 51 and he hasn't had a family yet, I just find it, and again, I'm 36, so what do I know on this one? But I find it hard to believe that suddenly he's like, you know what, I want a family. That seems really late in the game to be making that decision. So, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it happens. It is possible. It's still, he's still viable in terms of that. He'll be an older dad, but if you don't care about that, that's okay. I just worry that he probably is 
he's already decided one way before what is changing his mind. Is it, oh my God, this is my calling in life and I've missed out on kids? Or is it, yeah, I don't really want a family, but if you really want that, yeah, sure, I'm into it because I like you, young 35-year-old female. And then when you <laughs> get down to biz- brass tacks, he's like, yeah, I really don't want to have a kid. Hoping to, I was hoping to talk you out of that or whatever. I don't know. Kim, what do you think? Yeah, it's so funny because as I was listening to this question, there were a lot of twists and turns. Like, you know, she was saying how strong she is and she's a tough cookie, but she met an amazing man. And she always dates guys that are five to 12 years older than her. So those were like the things that kind of jumped out at me. And so I wasn't sure really what her question was. Um, The fact that we're having a hard time even answering this is kind of the answer for me because I wonder what kind of communication they're having at all. Like, we don't know. That's just it. Like, we don't know what his goals are. Have they had any communication around some of the stuff that she's wondering about? Because only the two of them are going to know that from here. But beyond that, I just have a question about, you know, just her pattern of only being attracted to men who are five to 12 years older than her because you know, what is the attraction for her there? And only in that she says, well, those are the only, you know, mature people like her. But I think there's more to it. And the bottom line is, is when you date people who are that much older than you, they are in different places in their life. So the things that you are looking for might not be what they're looking for. So to take a look at that, you know, when I used to do matchmaking, I came across this all the time. And, you know, people would get kind of caught up in the age. It's not really about the age. It's more about like where people are in their lives, their timing and energy. And, you know, there it can work when there's an age difference. But if you have completely different goals in life and what it is that you want, it's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah, it seems like this is a conversation that needs to be had ASAP. And you need to, if I were in her shoes, I would literally right away bring up verbatim Look, is the having kids thing something you're into or are you just telling me that because you don't want me to be disappointed? Because I need to know now. This is a huge thing for me in life. Because what I worry about is, is like I said before, they get into it and suddenly he's all, well, you know, I don't know if I really can do this, but it's five years from now and you're 40 and you can't have kids anymore and it becomes a real problem. Exactly. That's why communication is key. And to take the guesswork out, especially in this situation, she should have like a conversation with him. Yeah. I, but a real one that's yeah. like, look, don't freaking lie about like, you know, you don't have to come up with an answer right now. Figure it out. But I need to know, because if you don't hold his feet to the fire, he's not going to want to make a decision if the outcome is going to be decidedly negative for him. Namely, you're bouncing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Because if I'm a guy, which I am, but if I'm a guy in this situation, it's hard for me to go, here's the equation. Do I tell the truth right now and then have her just get mad and leave? Or do I think maybe later on we can handle this somehow and today everything will be fine? That's an easy option. And and I'm I'm not a scumbaggy dude who would lie deliberately, right? But I am definitely a normal human being who goes, do I want to deal with this right now? Ugh, maybe next week, maybe in a year. Ah, she might change her mind. You know, that kind of thing is really easy to sell yourself when the other option is, and now it's over. Because he probably does like her, right? I mean, that much is is certain. He doesn't want to ruin it. But 
he might be ruining your chances to have kids in the meantime by doing that unintentionally. Unintentionally. And that's the key, because I think a lot of times, you know, people go into something not really thinking far ahead, just knowing. And especially I know this to be true about guys. They just know that they like the girl like, hey, I'm having fun. You know, they're not thinking beyond that, especially at his age. And he doesn't have the biological clock. So it's like it's fine for him. He's not being mean, but it's just that he's enjoying what he's enjoying. And that's why, like for her, because there's that component of the kids, she probably does need to be more open, like you said, and directly. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, Jordan and everyone over at The Art of Charm. 
I'm a longtime listener of the podcast. Even though I'm not your target audience being female, it's definitely my top two podcast of all time. My question is about my husband. He's perfect. He makes me crazy happy every single day. The only guy that has never pissed me off and just gets me. We've been married seven years and have a toddler daughter. We're crazy happy, but I think it would be just awesome if he were a little bit more vocal in the bedroom. It's completely and deathly silent. I get distracted easy, and I'm used to more vocal guys to keep me engaged. A little bit of enthusiasm and some dirty talk would really help me out. I've told him about this, and if he does try, it's with a goofy voice or he's laughing. That doesn't work for me, and it's always been this way. If I could have some tips to pull it out of him, as I know he's a crazy shy person and not very dominant, that would really help me out. Either way, I'm with him for life, but wouldn't it be amazing if I could figure this out? Thanks for all you do, and give a shout out to your female listeners too. Signed, Kitty. First of all, our target audience is not just men. I'm not sure, I don't know what I'm going to have to do to prove this to people. I, I think women just love thinking that they're the exception to the rule when it comes to this. The audience is probably like 30% women. That's a, There's like 30,000 women listening to The Art of Charm. And every single time one right, and maybe not every single time, many times when they write in, they always say, I know I'm like the one girl listening to the show, or I know I'm not your target <laughs> audience here. And it's like, you can only get a few thousand of those emails before, you know, you got to say some. Anyway, though, appreciate you being a fan. I, I really, I'm not sure how to answer this. So, I, you know, that's one of the reasons why we're handling this one with Kim. <laughs> So go ahead, Kim. Oh, Take nice it away. Dirty talk. No, I'm yep. just kidding. Yeah. No, I. this is an interesting one. Okay. So a couple of things, again, that jump out at me because I always look at kind of, you know, the forest and the trees. But is it only really the voice that is bothering her? Is this really just like a, a question and an, an, an easy answer? Or is it his overall kind of sexuality? And, you know, she talks about his shyness and not being dominant. Like, is, is this a bigger issue where she's not getting turned on because he doesn't have enough of that, you know, male, alpha male kind of thing in the bedroom? And and she wants a little bit more about you know, about it. So, that, you know, I, I want to just kind of highlight that because I think it is just more than the voice. The second thing, it goes back to what we talked about before. It's communication. Like, what can they do together to like create something? And maybe there's things that he wished she did that would make him more comfortable having a voice. So, um, you know, and then beyond that, there are resources. I mean, there's sex therapists that deal with this. Um, you know, have they tried doing like kinky things together to, to, you know, spice things up. It, and it, it does get hard. I will say being a parent, when a little toddler comes along to, to have that sexy time, you know, you do have to almost create it. And unfortunately it becomes a little more structured than when you didn't have kids. So I don't know. I think overall it's communication, looking at his confidence and how that's impacting the relationship and like using resources to help. Yeah. For me, I never, I definitely didn't look at the forest of those through those trees. I was just thinking if he's a shy guy, I feel so awkward about the dirty talk because of his programming, right? He's probably thinking like, Oh, I can't treat my lovely wife like in this dirty kind of nasty way because I've, he just mm. doesn't think about it like that. So I think right, a little imagination right. might come into play here. I mean, look, he's a guy. He probably has seen some, 
gnarly stuff on the internet that he wouldn't mind channeling. It's just that he doesn't think of you like that right now, but you could probably get there. I wonder if you try watching stuff with him, if you guys are into that suggestion, if that might not unlock <laughs> unlock a couple of warp zones to use a gross video game analogy on your sex life. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think right. I think he might be like, "Oh, okay, that's how it's going to be." Because the problem is I could totally understand if he's if he's like, "Oh yeah, baby," like in some stupid Rodney Dangerfield voice or whatever. I mean, nobody wants Jerry Seinfeld showing up unannounced <laughs> in their bedroom, you know? That's know, not it's sexy. I the goofy voice. Like, I know I'm envisioning exactly like this. I mean, talk about a lady boner killer. Somebody, exactly, you know, exactly. some cartoon but, character showing up in your in your bedroom. But, uh, you know, she but she said that it, he has always been this way. It wasn't just the kid. Like, I'm sure that didn't help. So this I don't know. There's always been something there. And that's why I do think like seeing somebody watching porn, doing whatever you can to help that and communicate about it is good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a, a good start anyway. Last but not least. Hi, Jordan. Just want to email you and say thanks for the advice you gave on Fan Mail Friday this week to Elaine about how to disclose her history with breast cancer and reconstruction. I had the same thing at age 27 and have never known what to do in dating. Your advice was spot on. I did the same thing recently and it worked like a charm. Pun intended. The guy I'm dating now was simply curious and ultimately doesn't care. Thanks for all you do. Cheers, Alyssa. That's great, Alyssa. For people who missed it, um, Elaine wrote in saying she's, I think she's in her 20s or early 30s. She had breast cancer and reconstruction, so her boobs are, as she put it, mangled. And she was worried, like, when do I tell the guy and what do I do? And I said, look, not my usual MO here, but wait till you guys are hooking up and then say, by the way, I got a little scarring down there. Because by that point, the guy doesn't care. And you're not really, it's not that material. If he's upset by it, he's a jerk, shallow, not somebody who is going to want to be with you anyway. So you don't really lose anything. Uh, but most guys won't care. They're just going to go, oh, okay. I mean, look, I figure boobs are, are like pizza. Everyone loves pizza, even if every bite isn't perfect. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us at Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. Weekly video this week, what kind of memories do you hold onto? It shows what your filter is in life and what makes the deepest impressions, and a link to that in the blog post can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF63. Also, we have the Art of Charm Challenge at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed, that's C-H-A-R-M-E-D, to 33444. It's a step-by-step guide to helping you become better at making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your personal social capital and your charisma. And it's for both guys and gals. So check that out at theartofcharm.com slash challenge or text charmed to 33444. Quick shout out to Brandon Monk. He's working on my new audio desk. It's all reclaimed walnut. I'm really stoked about it. Uh, he listens to the show with his wife, actually. Uh, probably not while working on my audio desk, but he did hear a recent one with Kim Seltzer and, with his wife, and they loved it. So thanks, Kim, for coming on today as well. Thanks for having me. Are you in a strange land listening to my familiar voice? If so, hit me up and I'll shout you out. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com. Now stay charming. Get out there and connect and leave everyone better than you found them. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and more at theartofcharmpodcast.com. 